Welcome to the Triple Confirmed Podcast, where we discuss Bitcoin price talk, trading ideas, and much, much more. I am your host, The Baked Potato, a six-year crypto analyst and crypto YouTuber. Today's date is April 24th, and this is episode 189. Hopefully you guys are having a wicked Monday so far. We've got some exciting things to talk about as always. I am joined by my good friends Jay and Pio. Welcome guys onto the podcast like always. It's nice having you back Jay when you can get out of the the routine. The vo- the void has taken me away, you know, the sound settings and everything in Discord. There's just some days, but I'm happy to be here. Hopefully I won't be cutting out like I like to do. <laughs> We look forward to finding out. All right. So I'm going to talk a little bit for a couple minutes. Then I'm going to let Jay kind of go into what he's seeing. And we'll go from there, guys. So as always, let me just tile my charts quick. Here we are. Ha ha. All right. Starting out on our macro, because we did have a weekly close yesterday. What are we looking for? What are we seeing? What's going on? Well, not so fantastic stuff and things. (laughs) obviously we're seeing continuation of this rejection off of uh, the new market structure line that has popped up at 31k Uh, ethereum hitting above the 618 rejecting as well money flows red dots confirmed on bitcoin ethereum's a week behind wolf packs are turning down continuation over the next couple weeks is very very likely if this continues uh, in the way that it's turning right now basically telling us that we have you know, um, a couple weeks, maybe two more weeks of downside at, at the at the minimum, uh, at the worst, you know, potentially upwards of five weeks. Because we're already turning down, the month isn't even over yet. And the speculation is that May may turn out to be a bearish month. Um, sell in May, run away. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's not looking too promising uh, for upside continuation here uh, from going into next month. Um, once we start looking into the midterm timeframes, again, four hour, th- or sorry, four day and three day are also on the same path, uh, looking for continuation to the downside, even more so because we have confirmed both our red dots on the market liberators on both BTC and ETH. Uh, we have the potato signal showing up and confirmed, and we're just waiting for Wolfpack, which is essentially looks like we're possibly six days out. So going into Sunday, almost end of the month, pretty much the end of the month, we could be confirming back down going into March. That's never a great sign. So yeah, three day, very, very likely. We only have four hours left before this confirmation comes in and hits. Uh, We have obviously bearish divergence showing up on some of our uh, indicators and quite a bit on ETH. We look down into our daily, uh, just more of the same, basically midterm bearish divergences we still need a converging wave on this move um, which essentially we could hit 26500 converge or we could hit 25k and then converge Um, so regardless we are potentially looking if we bounce from 26500 we could be looking all the way up into the 28300 region or 28500 as our key level resistance to get retested Um, if we are to make our way all the way to 25 first uh, and not bounce at 26,500, then the bounce target would be closer to that 26,500, maybe back into 27 at a maximum type of deal. Again, there's a lot of essentially trapped positions uh, in and above 29 to 31. And I don't think that those guys are going to get a really good chance uh, to exit those positions. Obviously, it's been a while since the bulls have been underwater, right? It's been very much bearish pain for essentially the last two months. 
And uh, I think that, yeah, they're going to be giving some of that back. Unfortunate for them. That's just the way this market rules sometimes. So if we are to see a bounce um, in the next day or so, we could be looking up as high as 28,500. Again, we may test it multiple times. We may test it in the next day or so uh, before continuing down. But if we hit that level, we then go to 28,5, then potentially even farther. So overall, we are continuing to look uh, for downside continuation overall. Um, any type of shorter term upside at this point in time should be uh, looking for re-entry on the shorts. Um, taking any type of long scalps uh, against trends, obviously not recommended. There are some very short-term time frame things that are starting to show up here and there. We have 15-minute hourly still trying to find some sort of bounce in this area. Um, but, you know, the underlying thing is that money flow is still pointing to the downside pretty heavily, even though the wolf pack is like grasping at straws here, trying to bounce up, right? We potentially get another green dot. I think it's just going to be met with more uh, sell pressure, a red dot right after the green dot and wolf pack rejecting off the zero line for a third time. We've already seen two rejections. We've already seen the market structures flip um, in these medium term time frames. So yeah, I think that this is just essentially setting up a trap potentially for people who think that it's going to bounce from this region. Um, this is a pretty very obviously important level between 26,500 and 27. There is some support coming in, but I don't, I just don't think that it's enough. Obviously, this is pretty heavy into the red uh, for the money flow in these medium terms. So it's possible that after close today, we do see some sort of bounce up. The biggest thing that we would need for continuation lower is a close below 27,250 uh, on a four hour candle basis or better. If we see a four hour close below 27,250, we can almost guarantee that the next step is 26,500 and we should start making our way towards that level. If we can't get that four hour close, then potentially we try and bounce over the next day or so. But again, do we think that it has a lot of energy? More than likely not. 28,500 would be, you know, ideal uh, rejection level for the bears. So if it's going to bounce, it's going to try and get back up there. Bulls want to see it close over 28,500. And if they can't do it, then we're just going to turn all this momentum that's trying to turn up back down. All right. Yeah, Jay, you want to jump in here? Give me where you, give me your thoughts, man. What do you got? What do you got for us today? Yeah, man, it's uh, it's been a little while, hasn't it? It has. Uh, it's absolutely probably, I think, two months or something. Yeah, and I'm sure the TA has just been so much better since then. Nah. <laughs> like, oh, finally, gosh, that guy, you know, hey, 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 the bearish dude doesn't come around for a couple months and look what happens to price. Bitcoin rallies 100 <laughs> percent. Funny, right? But it's it's but it's keeping in perspective, too, right? Because isn't that kind of we're numb to it being is since, you know, we look at these charts pretty much daily and anyone involved in crypto at all typically checks frequently. There was like some stat that the average person checks at like 12, 10 or 12 times a day or something. It's outrageous. Um, but it still did go up 100%. I mean, it, it, that's an incredible rally. Uh, Ethereum rallied 150%. Uh, so it's just putting in perspective a little bit that a little bit of downside here like this is to be expected. Um, you know, they they uh, they wrecked uh, bulls pretty much all of 2022. And they started this year by wrecking the bears. And now it kind of sounds like time to maybe wreck a few bulls. And it just makes sense. You know, that this sideway transitory period, right? Gotta love mm -hmm. that word, transitory. Isn't that a hot one? <laughs> So just to give some uh, confluence with what you're saying about with like the weekly and all that, because 
yet again, TC leads the way, but I, I want to bring another flavor uh, to your TA as well. And it, it really just lines up, I think, really nicely. Not just trying to agree, but isn't it nice when they do line up? And you know what's funny is this is my uh, remembering this. The last time I was on a podcast, actually, we were in, uh, if you're looking at my screen here, uh, you can see like early February, mid-February right there when we were kind of chugging along at around 23, 24, 22, right in that range. And we had this weekly turndown on stochastic momentum here. And I said, okay, if we're going to get another push up, it's going to have to happen pretty soon. And it's probably going to look like this wave here where it kind of crosses down and then it works its way up into this like extra critical zone here at the top here just like we did at 69k all-time high right and that's actually the exact same motion we just got right so once we touch this pink line pretty much done deal and we've actually crossed below again uh actually very similar candle pattern here there's a few subtle chain differences that may make a big difference in the end but i find this slightly uh interesting how similar of a pattern we just went through from the 30k 2021 summer bottom run up to 69k we almost did the exact same move it's very similar in a lot of ways but uh there are some obvious differences too but kind of makes me think if that's the case are we going to continue that same motion i don't know why i just deleted that because that was actually really relevant um are we going to complete this same motion possibly where we head back down into like the teens again and put in a, a higher low this time instead of continuing lower like we did in the bear market is this transitory this this transition period i should say in the crypto market that we're anticipating is that going to give us a higher low this time and then continue up from there instead right that's it's kind of what i'm i'm looking at here because when a weekly turns down i mean this is a lot of time um you know i mean once it turned down in this critical area here we got what how many how many weeks was this Anyways, um, let's see, date range, here we go. So once it turned down pretty much about right there, it didn't turn back up in this case, a full full speed to the bottom there, 13 weeks, 91 days. So it took three months to go from the top to the bottom here. That's how long this can take. Well, how much time is that, right? You know, a lot can happen in that time frame. That means a lot of people could get shaken out, a lot of, lot of volatility in here, obviously, you know, but it just shows how much power can be behind a weekly move like this once it's this far gone, kind of you know um mm -hmm. so something interesting to kind of point out there just judging by our previous uh uh you know fractal we did at the all-time high and to give you some more confluence with like the uh kind of medium time frames like a two-day time frame you can see the momentum is just nose diving here as long as bitcoin's below thirty thousand five hundred. and i mean that's 10 percent up right so i mean there's serious downside pressure here it doesn't mean we can't get a little bit of an upside motion here like a little pity bounce of course but that's telling me that that target you were talking about 26 5 25 something like that is very much in play here there's a lot of room to go uh to the downside on the two-day time frame a daily is still pointed down as well too but we're starting to really get into this zone where you can see this is usually where we get turnaround time right so you know are, are we going to see little support here possibly like we're seeing but it's still pointed down uh below twenty nine thousand dollars so i mean there, there, there's a lot of room there i guess you can say where we could get a little bouncy bounce but it doesn't mean it's going to just continue up from here um Judging, yeah, judging by the weekly, the daily, two-day, I definitely see a little bit more downside in the near near term here. Possibly a little pity bounce back up to 28.5, something like that. Maybe reset the daily uh, stochastic here. And then it'll start agreeing with the weekly that's turned down again, which will produce another low, etc. So I think there's a lot of liquidity to be grabbed, like you were pointing out, right in this like, you know, 20, 22, 23... 
20. I mean, if we wick down there, there's a lot of liquidity there. Uh, and I don't see liquidity at these prices. You know, I see a bearish engulfing weekly candle, and I don't see a lot of buying pressure, people wanting to buy 27,000 Bitcoin now. Uh, instead, you know, they're, they may be looking lower as well, such as, you know, people like what we're talking about now. We're, we're looking probably lower. I'm sure a lot of other, especially big market makers, they're doing the same. Yeah, if not had been already, for sure. Exactly. I think what we need to see is how... Uh, in, in your case, for your uh, indicator that you have there, you know, we would essentially want to see the indicator falling much faster than the price action if we were to yes. be able to find that higher low. Or, you know, even if we do make a l lower low, we don't need to make a low below that wick, right? I don't right. think we need to go back into the teens, but a close at, say, 20, you know, would give us, uh, mm -hmm. a, you know, a candle close, essentially, below those previous those previous lows. Yes, exactly. 100%. Yes. And one thing I want to point out here, like you were saying, you want to see it fall faster. Well, here's an instance of consolidation and why this is something to look out for if this is what happens on a weekly instead, right? So on the daily, when we consolidated for like a month straight there around 28,000 before moving up to 30, you notice the stochastic did turn down. However, it did, by the way, this is the BBWP indicator. Mm -hmm. Mm. And look at the low volatility combined with the decreasing here. And yet price didn't decrease really at all, right? It just kind of hovered. This is what we want to look for if it's if we want to continue being bullish. But then you look at some motion like this, how fast this decreased, right? Along with increasing volatility, mm -hmm. right? Volatility is increasing for the downside move. So this was giving me a sign that there's no pressure to the downside, really. We're just consolidating with this low volatility. Once mm -hmm. we get it to turn up with an increase in volatility, we know that we're going to get some sort of move. However, we were already so far up. How much more buying pressure is even there? You know, right? So right. now we've got increased volatility, but to the downside. So yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, to match that up with what's going on right now, you know, if we were to get that four-hour close below twenty-seven two fifty, maybe then we go for a medium-term day to two-day bounce back up in towards twenty-eight five hundred. Still, you know, that's right in the I think like the percentage range that we've been seeing our bounces. Um, it would confirm that we've got a lower low and we've broke that consolidation low, essentially, um, for sure. So even if we do bounce, we probably reject off the 0.5 or something along the same line, something just above, you know, key level yep. being 28.5. Yeah, exactly. That that makes sense to me. And even on the four hour time frame here, I pulled up just to give even more obvious clarity. And with the same thing I was talking about, the volatility, like the four hour time frame was increasing on the stochastic momentum from this low critical zone, but price didn't really do anything. All it did was come back up and retest as resistance. All this previous support is now just being retested as resistance. We did this increase in uh, stochastic momentum with a decrease in volatility, which is telling me there's no pressure behind this uh, buying pressure really. And now we're actually getting it to turn down on the four hour time frame below 27,600, which we are right now. Mm -hmm. So in three and a half hours, if we close here, we'll close to the down side and you can see that volatility is actually increasing just barely now it's starting to so mm -hmm. this this could be an instance where okay we broke down we touched some emas right some moving averages here tested them as resistance now instead of support came back up retested support turn it into resistance and maybe test a lower level down next level down tc indicator is a god Next level down, 26,475, 26.5, right where mm -hmm. we're looking, right? So that'd make a lot of sense. That's that's where I'm looking right now. Yeah, yep, absolutely the same. Really? And that'll be it, man. That's it for my, my rant. For those that were listening, I do apologize that you weren't able to see my screen, but uh, hopefully it made some sense to you. Heck yeah, brother. And this, man, it's so nice to have you back. 
appreciate your input. It's uh, yeah. it's it's you know, it's funny when when our uh, opinions seem to align. <laughs> yeah, th- <laughs> things tend to happen how we want it, right? Exactly. You all know it's funny though. I'm surprised you welcomed me back. You know, I was like, hey, I've been gone for a while. Prices actually went up for a while. Jay laughed. <laughs> Maybe it was a coincidence. And you're like, come on back, and I'm immediately throwing bear stuff at you again. <laughs> wow, you know, oh, it, yeah. it's uh, I, I'm happy I could do my part. You know, absolutely, man. <laughs> hey, one thing I will say, and this isn't, I guess, related to like the here and now time frame so much. But one thing I will say is I do still think that we're going to continue up. And I do think the low is actually in. I do mm-hmm. personally think at this point, um, yeah. I mean, I would I would have to see a serious serious breakdown obviously we would all have to to think a low isn't going to be in but one last thing to show on this monthly time frame well <laughs> stochastic momentum has turned up on the monthly time frame uh quite well here and well it's marked the bottom every time since then so 2012 2015 2019 mm-hmm. and in 2023 january every time we've turned up in this critical lower area here that has marked the bottom for that macro cycle so it doesn't mean we can't retouch lower it doesn't mean we can't try for like you know we'll come down but eventually i think we'll do end up doing either a double bottom a high or a higher low of some sort and continue up from here that that's what i'm seeing so you know it's, it's more buying opportunities than anything in my opinion exactly that's exactly the message i've been pushing as well you know um Obviously, we we exited the macro long, but only because we're potentially coming all the way back into the entry, and that weekly is shifting, right? So overall, yes, the the macro macro, we are looking for that confirmed converging wave, higher low. You know, if you look back at the last two cycles, it came back and tested the level that it that it crossed essentially in both times. You can see it in 2015. You can see it in 2019. Right, we we hit that bottom level and we came back and we tested into it both times. It didn't happen in the 2012 cycle, but it again it did happen in the last two cycles almost perfectly. Obviously, the last one we had more bearishness, you know, with the wick of the uh, Corona dump. But if we don't take that information into account, it almost perfectly came back and retested the the line break. So if we're doing the same thing, I think it's right at around 20. So the closer we can get, you know, if if this all decides that, you know, everything turns back up in that zone, um, I don't, you know, maybe it is going to hold up at 22. And I would call that close enough to 20 as a, you know, as a retest. Or if the sediment can change that much, then potentially we do get the push in towards 20 or even like 19 again, you know, just to really like blood in the streets. Because when was the last like really bad sell off event? you know, that wicked and was boughten up like crazy. We haven't had it yet. We've, every time we've pushed down, we've seen true volume, right? Like the candle closes are pretty much on the bottoms with everything. There's no, there's no massive like capitulation. So yeah, if the bottom is in and we capitulate at the bottom once more, the probably the best and only buying opportunity we'll see at 20, um, more than likely for the next two to three years, if everything has its way. So what you're telling me is a uh, Lambo imminent? <laughs> <laughs> you did ask me about a Lambo. So, you know, non-financial advice as always, guys, these are our opinions. But um, as I've seen the last three cycles play out, this is this has been how it has been every other time. Yeah. And definitely, definitely an opinion based on probability and data and also anecdotal evidence in your case experience too, you know. So there's high probabilities of these things happening, but obviously they don't have to. Exactto. Now, I kind of want to bring Pio into the conversation because obviously he's seeing things from a different perspective of the market. 
He's looking at more uh, traditional matters, housing market, uh, business, um, like the spaces that they're selling off. So Pio, maybe if you want to go into it a little bit about what you're thinking and what you're seeing. Yo, yo. And um, I'll start off by giving you my number. And I think we'll revisit 16.8. That's, that's just, for, it's just, it's in my head as much now as 28.6 was, you know, when we we're kind of coming up into this range. Um, I offer absolutely no backup for that. <laughs> no rationale, just vibes. <laughs> Limit buy set, 100x. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let it be known. Although um, I did see some discussions about exchanges and um, I, I don't have a chart to show you now, but um, Kraken has been stink bidding recently. So I, 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 that's where I'm going to go and set a stink bid at you know, 12k or something. It's, oh. it's been doing it recently on Earth and Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting, you know, check that one out. But I think to your point, it's uh, just chat with Flywater as well. He, he's, you know, um, got a big eye on uh, and an understanding as well of um, what the broader markets are doing. I think to kind of break the commentary into two, um, probably lead first with commercial property. And we might do a, a more in-depth um, chat about this with Jonas, who just posted an article on Triple Confirmation website today. Um which certainly highlights the challenge ahead. So, look, since at least a hundred years, offices have operated in a you know a certain um, workplace system, and I say system because you know it's a system, and that system now has changed. Not unlike crypto, from being very centralized, everyone's in the office nine to five, Monday to Friday. That would be a hundred percent occupancy, hundred percent utilization, to being distributed. Do you know that is? The way I see hybrid working, it's more distributed working. You know, you're not only work from home, you're not only going to the office, you're also, you know, meeting in third locations because you might have colleagues who live in the same suburbs or, or adjacent suburbs to you and rather, you know, that makes sense. Um, so that is a systems change. And, you know, often you can hear in finance world, things start to happen slowly, slowly, then suddenly, suddenly. And this is already happening you know, to the tail end of the last decade. I was implementing technology in, in offices for large portfolios, 100 buildings and up across, you know, um, 100 countries and up. And we were putting in systems for meeting room management and, and for asset state detection and stuff like that. And we were always scratching our heads kind of going, look, these people are planning for like 10 square meters per potato. But when we get the data, it's more like 2,500 Square meter, you know, or two hundred fifty uh, square meters per potato. And when you do some math on that, never mind say the operating expenses, but the actual rent the tenant is paying, the difference in what they're not using even before the pandemic was equal to like a high end luxury apartment in that city <laughs> um, yeah. for their employee. Um, and what's happened now is that it, it's accelerated distributed working. And even since, you know, we're, we're a year, year and a half on, you know, two years in some countries from lockdowns being lifted and, you know, complete freedom to go back to the status quo. It's, it's just not happening. Occupancy rates are half of what they were before COVID, which was half of 100% anyway. Do you know, things were already starting to dial down in terms of demand. Mm-hmm. And now that has rapidly accelerated. And because of the focus now on energy efficiency, Tenants are starting to switch from occupancy, which means like the potato entered the office today, to utilization, which means the potato entered the office and left, you know, a half past 11 that day. Um, so as the demand side is starting to look at things, you know, in a more granular sense, the divergence between like what they're paying to use and what they're actually using is, is just, is just multiplying by orders of magnitude that make CFOs kind of go, look, this is not a marginal savings. This is in the instance of a customer I worked with, it's eight figures, 
you know, you're talking a hundred million plus because these um, these the tenancies are, are multi-year, right? You don't rent an office for a year. You rent it for mm-hmm. five years minimum. Like Facebook in Dublin rent, built the whole campus or rented the whole campus for 15 years and have now are now trying to lease out two thirds of that for the rest of the 13 year contract. And I think they're a good analogy for the type of client that would only bring the kind of growth and headcount to, to make demand viable to support office values where they are today. And looking at Facebook and Google's 10K filings, they're highlighting, you know, real estate efficiency and costs, you know, in, in their 10K filings. So, you know, the demand side is certainly realizing, look, we don't need to use this in proportionate amount of real estate probably ever again. And in fact, given the labor market will remain so tight due to demographics, you know, something that I think a lot of people relate to is, you know, you, you could have a hundred thousand euro salary in Dublin and the average rent for a one bed studio would be 57% of your net pay. And that's, that's kind of same story in Sydney, London, New York, San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, so the sum that's demand side up, I don't believe that tech companies are going to be hiring like they did in the last two years. Again, it'll be slower and more incremental growth. And as they do, uh, remote and hybrid workers being able to cater to them will be a competitive advantage because, you know, you can pay a potato to work in Mexico on the beach rather than pay them to be in New York and still fly them in like once every quarter, you know, to meet people in real life and get the best kind of efficiency out of that. Um, so that kind of sums up the demand side that it's just, it's, you know, it's hard to find an analogy for the largest property asset class on earth that has been recently valued around 200 trillion. Um, and the shoe is falling, right? Like, you know, I'll give you countless examples of tenants ignoring their, their intentions. But what's most important right now is to start seeing there around 60 trillion or 60 billion in debt in the US that's um, rolling over over the next two years. So what that means is that um, the financers of those buildings, so they're the Blackstones, the Black Rocks, the Brookfields, they're, they borrowed 20% down, they borrowed whatever, 0.001 interest rates, you know, for two years, they're going to roll that over and they're trying to roll it over now. And because interest rates are higher, you know, that that's causing them a problem. But that that's almost an insignificant part of the problem, given that tenants are just handing back the keys. So the unique dynamic in commercial real estate, and sorry for going on a bit now, but no, the unique good. dynamic to kind of sum up, I think, what people can start drawing conclusions for is that from a credit perspective, it's fundamentally different to what we would understand as consumers. In commercial real estate, you know, the intermediaries can hand back the keys to the banks, you know, and just default, you know, just, and that's what's really starting to make the headlines now and make people pick up. They're like, okay, Blackstone, you know, the, the big baddies, you know, <laughs> like guys with infinite money, they are starting to default on quite large, premium, well-located office buildings, which is certain a run for the doors, which means that these funds are, are starting to kind of gate. They're starting to say, look, no, we, we can't allow redemptions because we can't sell the offices quick enough. Um, at the same time, you know, a lot of them are still kind of captured in boomer brains and kind of believe that things could maybe possible to go back to normal. Um, so what that dynamic means is that there's little repercussions for like, you know, the the people who financed and owned the office to you know, say, look, I've no customers, interest rates are up, there's, it's going to cost me millions a, a month to rent this property out. Bank, you can have it. And in the US, it's actually something that the regional banks that you know came up in everyone's radar due to the SVB crisis, they, they've actually gone full degen on lending to property developers to build offices that nobody needs. And also a lot of pension funds. Um, I personally don't believe there's any stopping this. Um, you can give them short-term credit, but like 
to do what? To, to try and rent properties to tenants who want to, they don't want to rent them at 10%. They don't need them. That's the thing. There's mm-hmm. massive surplus inventory. And I don't know where that leads us because I, I, I just don't see it politically possible to bail out commercial real estate investors and banks. Um, it, it would sell as hard as like bailout guys who you know, default on, on loans and Lambos. It's just, yeah, I, I don't know how they're going to do it, but I also see it as just given its size and order of magnitude of the correction. It's, it's the credit bubble risk that I am confident enough to call a subprime crisis. Mm. Anyway, sorry for going on at length. I've just been talking a lot about this. <laughs> no, yeah, no, we appreciate it, man. As, as always, you know, it's, I think it's valuable information to know the, this side of things. You know, it, it directly impacts the economy. And so just so that I have every all my ducks in a row, the banks are who are really losing out at the end of the day on this, right? Because when, say, BlackRock defaults, the bank takes it back over. Now yes. they're not making that interest. Now they don't have that money coming in and, and they have an asset that they can't, you know, get back out. A hundred percent, you know, they, they're collateral and it's a collateral issue, right? So typically 20% down, you know, it could be 40% in some states. Again, folks, it's the same in every market. It's remarkable in that. Aside from Korea and Japan, you know, the behavior of the move from 9500 Friday to distributed is just, it's profound. It's happening in every country. And so that 20% collateral that the, you know, the bank has, that's the, the, the best stuff, like the most efficient, well-placed properties, they're going to they're gonna hit 25% correction, which is massive. The stuff that maybe can be upgraded to be more energy efficient and it's still in the right place, you know, probably 50%. Everything else are, you know, it's like the worst of the shit coins. Uh, as Flywater was acknowledging, because uh, I know he's a lot more subject matter expertise in property, and it's something that I was overtly optimistic about and kind of learned from talking to architectural firms, converting them into apartments or upgrading them to be, you know, from really old offices into modern energy efficient offices, it's more cost effective to knock them. So they're worth slightly less in site value, which is, you know, 99%, (laughs) you know, massive right thens. So it's the banks really who hold it and pension funds, a lot of pension funds. There's actually a Canadian pension fund who's going to go legal on a property fund based in Ireland because the returns are so poor, it's making a big dent in them. I think it's the, I think it is the Vancouver's teachers. Mm. So conclusions I draw from that right now is like, look, I really want to stay in my zone of uh, competence on this one and just kind of point out what I'm seeing rather than draw conclusions because I'm not a finance expert Mm -hmm. and why, you know, I've seen asset bubbles blow up before, you know, everything's so different this time. So, um, who knows, they could create a bad bank for this. Like the other side of this is that like San Francisco and New York mayors are screaming right now because they're not getting the rates. So this is really hitting a lot of cities' budgets because if the offices aren't used, you know, there's no taxes going and all the small businesses, the restaurants, the coffee shops. So this is a bigger problem than just the investors. So there could be a bad bank or something, but I believe that, you know, it's starting to precipitate right now with defaults. If there is an event, I, it, I wonder if it would look similar to crypto showing so much strength or Bitcoin showing so much strength when there was a scare in the banks a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. you know. Um, right. That's one thing that could happen if there's an event and there's a plan to deal with it. Um, or there's an event and look, Bitcoin doesn't correlate like that. So, you know, it might break some swing lows and you're just, you're, you know, it, I would see it as a massive, you know, opportunity, short-term opportunity that it could scare all the markets. Mm-hmm. Um, either way, I think it's opportunity. Um, the next black swan, the banking it's a heist. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> like, it's a potential volatility event. That's, yeah. I think, what 
Yeah. Uh, I got to ask you, P.O., uh, the next time the market crashes and I want to poop my pants, I need to embrace that feeling. I think so. Like um, like Flywater is saying, like, you know, hey, he it was a 2008 crash to help him buy a house, you know? And I, I just don't think that, I don't think things are, things just don't feel resolved. There's so much stuff that doesn't even work in a slightly lower interest rate environment that hasn't started to resolve itself. The market hasn't become efficient yet, you know? Values aren't where demand is. And I think when you see those kind of, kind of corrections, yeah, they usually mean opportunities. Hell yeah, man. Everything, everything in life is opportunity if you look at it in the right way. The worst possible things. I mean, obviously, COVID brought me here. You know, I took the leap of faith to take trading and, you know, running the group full time. And 90% of people lost their job, you know, went through terrible times in the last two, three years. Um, but you know, unfortunately that a large percentage of what happened and why it happened was their own fault, you know, and that's the sad reality of it. Their people always take advantage of the worst things in life. You know, people make money on war, people make money on, on bio research and other terrible things. And it's just the way it goes. If the market is going to make that decision, you know, obviously there's a lot going on in the background, everything from, you know, what's going on in the other countries. Uh, potential, you know, not buying oil in dollars. There's a, there's a lot. There's a lot. Yeah, so, um, I think more so than ever. You know, maybe that's age. Um, you know, people have read about the fourth turning. Um, very interesting concept. But yeah, I think I think focus in volatility. You know, look, I, I was just skimming through some charts yesterday because it was raining and I couldn't be outside. And I was looking at the orange juice chart. Uh, I don't know the ticker off the top of my head, but if you can find it, like, look. You can retire off that in the last six months, eagerly, you know. Um, I think having that, even look for the slower high, like, you know, like that could be, you know, a great opportunity, you know. Um, yeah. I think that's what, I think that's how to take advantage of the, and stay staying through these crazy times is, you know, the focus on like, you know, the crazier it gets, the, the more volatility, the more opportunities. Um, the only fish, dead fish, <laughs> the only fish that go with the flow are dead fish. And, <laughs> you know, paying attention and being switched on. I think is, 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 is a profitable way to go right now. Hell yeah, brother. You know, that's, that's just it. We can't, you know, we can't foresee, um, what's to come. We know that it's obviously at this time turning down, but how much, how far, how low can it go? You know, something like, as you described, some sort of event could come and just being prepared for that. You know, we know it's going to keep, probably keep going down. How far, right? Maybe, you know, we've, we've all obviously talked about our levels that we think. P.O. being the, the most bearish of us all, which is very surprising. <laughs> like I said, I think, I think you know, getting below 20 at this point is going to be very, very difficult. And unless we have some sort of massive economic um, something or other, you know, it's, it's probably not going to happen. But it is, it is possible. Possibility is a, is a promiscuous thing. So, yeah. Great conversations today, guys. Jay, Pio, I appreciate the heck out of you guys for coming and joining me today, as always. Yeah, man. That was a great time. I'm happy to be here again. Hopefully more in the future, you know, but uh, maybe when we can be bullish for once, so I don't just seem like a total (laughs) a-hole every time I come in here. You missed the whole 20 to 30 pump, man. Mm -hmm. You had your opportunity, a whole month and a half of opportunity. Uh, I was too busy secretly longing. (laughs) Yeah. Secret long, you know. There Uh you go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not bullish. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know what you're talking about, man. You're not liquidity, no. Oh, man. <laughs> All right, and as always, guys, uh, make sure you check out tripleconfirmation.com if you haven't. 
We have two and a half days before the pre-sale launch begins. You guys can find that page on app.tripleconfirmation.com. If you're interested in getting involved, we will have six rounds of pre-sale with ever-increasing incrementations of price. So the earlier you get in, the cheaper your TC tokens will be. So tell your friends, tell your mom. It's going to be spicy, guys. Uh, yeah, and as always, make sure you have a great rest of your day. We'll be back here in two days on Wednesday, and I'll see you then. Take care. Peace. Well, bye now. Bye-bye.